Welcome to a very special edition of the Diamond Niner Fans Podcast. As always, this is Nick, joined by Kevin. What's up, Niner Nation? Producer Brad. How's it going, guys? This is the first of what we hope will be a continuing series called Pride of the Program. Uh, We are actually recording live from the Eric Walker Suite at the Hayes tonight. So if you hear some background noise, don't be alarmed. It's just baseball. In fact, I'm watching uh, our guys take BP right now uh, as they get ready to take on Florida Atlantic. So uh, we are we're really jacked up about being here at the Hayes, right, Kevin? Oh yeah, I'm very excited about this. Yeah, pretty sweet deal. All right, so our goal with uh, with this new series, with these Pride of the Program episodes, um, what we want to do is we want to bring you the history of Charlotte 49ers baseball and the and our proud program. Uh, We're really excited about this project, if you can't tell. Uh, So let's just jump right in and get started. Um, If you're going to do, if you're going to do a history and you're going to talk history, the beginning is absolutely a great place to start. Um, So Kevin, why don't you, why don't you tell us who we got with us today? All right. Yeah. Like I said, I'm very excited to be here today. Um, Summer of 1978, uh, we hired our very first baseball coach slash head athletic trainer. Uh, from Penn State. He was an assistant at Penn State. I uh, was hired in summer of 78, like I said, and uh, came here, started up the program, uh, coaches for three good years. Our guest on the show today is Coach Gary Bartley. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to be here to talk about the history, but just to be here and the the representation is is just it's overwhelming as to how I've been received, and I'm I'm so appreciative of that. Right. Well, we're we're very glad to have you and, and uh, excited. This is to- this is a big deal for us, Coach. <laughs> we appreciate it. This is this we've 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 been talking here for a little bit uh, before we got on uh, before we got on the air, and um, the, you guys are in for a treat for one thing, and and two the the uh, affection. And the the passion that Coach Bartley has for uh, for the university and for this baseball program in particular is just incredible. We can't wait to share it with you. Um, so, Kevin, why don't you why don't you get us started? We'll kind of kind of kick the ball around here and roll out our first question. So, um, I guess the summer of nineteen seventy eight, you were up at Penn State, and uh, you said this this uh, job opening came across your desk, and you. Uh, Tell us about how you got interested in the program at UNC Charlotte. Okay. At that time in 1978, I was a grad assistant. Uh, I played at Penn State on the last freshman baseball team in 1970. And then the next couple of years with uh, with the program. And after I graduated from Penn State, uh, I had a teaching job down in suburban Philly at Haverford, Pennsylvania, at a private school. So after three years there, uh, I had gotten a call from Coach Medler uh, about coming back to grad school, that he had a position for a grad assistant. And <clears throat> also with that, I had athletic training background. So Coach Medler got me a double assistantship where I was doing time with athletic training and with baseball. So as that year went along, uh, somewhere, I guess it was in April, late April, beginning of May, I saw an opening for a position at UNC Charlotte. And I said, yeah, I remember UNC Charlotte. They were just in the Final Four in the NIT here a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. And they were looking for a head baseball coach, head trainer. Well, see, Coach Medler at Penn State held that position for many, many years. He was a two-time head trainer for the uh, United States Olympic team going back to 1960 and in 1964. And he had been with the baseball program from uh, the uh, late 1950s as an assistant and then moved up to head, head coach and then, you know, head trainer. So I said to him, I said, Coach, I said, look at this. And we, uh, we made some phone calls I came down here for uh, an interview in uh, late, maybe late May, early June. A couple of weeks later, I received a call that uh, they were offering me the position, and I came down, and uh, here it is. I started uh, 
when I came down for the uh, announcement and everything, they happened to have the uh, the state high school uh, baseball championship going on at that time at Crockett Park. So I got in right away to see uh, to see some high school games in those first few days that I was here with getting uh, introduced and get set up. So that's that's how I arrived here. I went back to Pennsylvania for a couple of weeks and got things in line to make the move. And uh, we arrived here early in July of 1978 with uh, no ball, no bat, no field, nothing. But I was here. That was it. That was it. But we had a coach. <laughs> had one scholarship, right? <laughs> had one scholarship to split up uh, a lot of different ways. Yeah. <laughs> so when you when you interviewed, um, was was that Clyde Walker at the time? No, sir. Uh, Lee Rose was the athletic director. Okay. At that time, okay. And when I came down to interview, Lee wasn't here. I was interviewed. Uh, the two people that headed that committee was Dave Taylor and uh, Dr. Larry Bostian. And they were the ones that handled the interview. And again, Lee wasn't here. So after I went back uh, to Pennsylvania to start to uh, get things in order to make a move, uh, then I find out that Lee leaves. <laughs> Lee leaves here to go to Purdue. Purdue, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So when I arrived, you know, we didn't have Clyde Walker. Uh, he didn't come until probably somewhere around the first of the year in 1979. Okay. All right, cool. So you, how do you, so you're, you've been hired. This is your first head coaching position, right? Absolutely. And you're starting a program from scratch. How do you even get your mind around what – after you took the job, was there a moment where you kind of started thinking about the task in front of you and you were like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that, that there was uh, a lot of sleepless nights and things just running through my head at a mile a minute and realizing that, <clears throat> okay, there's nothing here. But yet, Dave Taylor and Larry Bostian had put together a, a schedule. They had put together and made the arrangements with uh, the Crockett's downtown uh, for us to use that facility there at Crockett Park. So that part of it was done. Okay, Arriving then with that groundwork already established, then I had to figure out how to go out and get us a ball and a bat and, uh, you know, how we're going to get started from there, along with now getting uh, getting in with Mike Pratt and beginning to establish what he wanted for conditioning and, and uh, training and that and getting with some of the other coaches and finding out what kind of needs they were going to have and uh, – Trying to, you know, again, trying to do the same two things at one time. You didn't time. have much free time. Not really. <laughs> Not really. It was interesting. Uh, you know, I'd spend days here at the office and then out uh, finding ball players at night. You know, I, I was out uh, night after night, you know, running down, looking and, and trying to, to make some contacts and uh, get, get things established. Yeah. So you were. 27 when you were hired you were at the time the youngest division one baseball coach and and you're also doing two roles at as at the for unc charlotte um with the basketball program i guess you were with all the programs you were over all the programs as far as athletic trainer so that and yeah i did have uh i did have three excellent excellent student trainers who took care of the majority of the work with the other teams my primary responsibility you know were with basketball and uh, to work with uh, the travel people and setting up uh, our travel plans, uh, <clears throat> handling money and hotel and meals and that stuff when we were on the road and, and ground transportation in those cities and that. So, yeah, there was a lot, a lot with that. And, uh, again, Coach Pratt and Coach Watkins and that. It, it was just, you know, you said about it must have been a whirlwind, okay? Now, I've never been – 
I've never been confused with being one of the world's brightest people, so I might not have been smart enough to realize just how much it was going on. But yeah, that's what people say about <laughs> Kevin and I as well. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was uh, it was a fabulous, fabulous time. It, it was exciting. Okay, so how do you? Um, you mentioned recruiting. You, you spent time uh, trying to find ball players. How do, how do you do that? How do you, how do you start from scratch like that? Well, <clears throat> again, there were. Memory serves me right looking at that roster. There were four or five guys already in school here that had already completed their freshman year. They came to Charlotte with the anticipation that they heard, yes, they're going to be starting a baseball program. And uh, the four or five that I remember, and they had very, very significant impact on the beginning of the program, was Mark Vogler who in his first year ended up being all-conference. Mark Vogler, a left-handed pitcher by the name of Herb Hall, uh, Eddie Thompson, uh, a right-hander, he was already in school here, Uh, Phil Adams, and uh, Steve Philpot, I believe, uh, was already enrolled. So right away, you know, they had made contact. I had known that. and made contact with them, so they were here. Then, again, that first summer, primarily I spent trying to get acquainted here with uh, the Charlotte Summer Legion programs, and I would go out, you know, and see Legion games at night, and uh, was able to find three or four, five, six guys. Uh, we got them enrolled, and then we had some open tryouts. Uh, we had the open tryouts <clears throat> that first week. Uh, uh, that, that's assuming after all summer till I get equipment ordered and uh, get the uniforms and, and, and get er- everything in. We had our first few tryouts right out there where the softball field is right now. Of course, see, there was nothing here. There was, there was nothing in this area that's developed right now. But those fields were intramural fields, and I did some of our first evaluations uh, with running and throwing, and we had infield drills and outfield drills. We couldn't hit uh, at that time because there was nothing there, you know, for hitting. But that first week or so, we were holding some evaluations, and we had some kids then that eventually became part of the program. Then a week or two later, then we were able to get downtown to the Crockett facility. But you see, that's 14 miles from where we're at now. That's 14 miles across the city. And those kids drove their own cars every day. They drove over there every day that we had practice. And we'd stand up there, and I'm sitting here looking at the mine shaft, the old mine shaft. And we'd look down there. And all we saw was woods and stones and and just a a barren, desolate area. We didn't say a whole lot, but we'd just look at each other and kind of smile. But we knew. We knew that someday, I mean, you could stand up there at that time and look the whole way back across where all that development, past the football stadium and all those new buildings and everything out there, beautiful. You could see Highway 29. That's how open and and bare and everything was. So we had the first fall uh, workouts, uh, and then uh, got running then with the uh, the basketball team then during the winter, and then we'd start, you know, middle of January, late February inside with some first conditioning of that, and we started, uh, first game was on the 2nd of March, 1979. So when, when you practiced... You could work out and you could do cardio stuff on campus, but how, how long was it for it before you could only hit at Crockett Park? Is that? Yeah. Now, <clears throat> out there behind that Charlotte sign in left center field mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. Uh, we went and uh, we had a batting cage. I made some connections and I had a lot of people helping in that, and we got materials and we put up a batting cage there. So during the day... When these guys weren't in class and that, they could come down and hit there. But uh, that 
that they came on their own. I mean, there was no specific times or whatever, but the guys would stop in uh, <clears throat> and get uh, a bag of balls and uh, some bats, and they'd come down here and hit. So, <clears throat> but other than that, I mean, we're headed to Crockett Park. So did you, you mentioned you, didn't, you had to figure out how to get bats and balls and all that, so you were doing some fundraising, I assume, to get... Fundraising, no. Uh, the funds and, and everything, the money was there. And again, you talk about whirlwind. Yeah, I came here, and I thought I knew a little bit about baseball. You know, I thought, well, okay, it's a good time to hit and run. It's a good time to do this, this, and this, okay. Talk with a pitcher about, okay, keep your arm up. That was all well and good. Well, I remember when <clears throat> when Dave Taylor and uh, Dr. Bastian, they laid down this stack of papers in front of me that had all of these figures for budgets. <laughs> and I said, hot dang. I said, you know, oh, wait a minute. And again, the grace of the Crockett's. I took that stuff down, and I sat down with uh, Mrs. Crockett, and we began to put together a purchase list to get balls, bats, equipment that we needed, uniform selection. So, again, all of that was done with the great help and assistance of, of the Crockett's. So that's how we got uh, got our things there. And that's a big name in, in, in the baseball and baseball in Charlotte, that's a big name to Crockett family. And, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to hear how much they helped our program get off the ground and, and uh, they let us play our games and everything at Crockett Park. And mm-hmm. uh, um, I don't know if you've been up to the new BB&T ballpark. Um, they've got a little section kind of with the honor in the past of, mm-hmm. of, of Charlotte baseball, and it's a lot of, Cro- a lot of Crockett family um, photos, and, and, and they got a little mural and stuff out there. But um, it's interesting to hear. Uh, well, again, at that time, <clears throat> they were our season was uh, ending when when that double A season was coming in, and I'd go down there in the summertime to continue to restock and and get some things, you know, for each year with the budget and everything. And the minor league players at that time that were here playing for the Charlotte O's, uh, a guy that had a so-so career. I'll start with him first. A guy by the name of Cal Ripken. And seems like I've heard that name somewhere. Somewhere, I mean, in Cooperstown. I, I think. Oh, is that number, where it was? I think the number twenty-one thirty-four or something <laughs> might be close with that. Yeah. Uh, then they had a big old first baseman that hit hit some left-handed, hit turn around, hit some right-handed, and uh, I think now if you look in the record books, you'll find out that he's the one who hit the most grand slams as a switch hitter, a guy by the name of Eddie Murray. Then they had a couple of pitchers by the name of, uh, I believe it was uh, Storm Davis and Mike Boddicker. And uh, they had an outfielder, center fielder, could run like a deer, a guy by the name of uh, T-Bone Shelby. So in 78 and 79, as they passed through here and then moved up the next year or so to Syracuse, then they went on to form a great core for the Baltimore Orioles. And... <clears throat> talk about that connection and what they've done. Uh, I believe it was the second year in connection with the Crockett's, we had a baseball clinic here where I had, uh, oh, had Elrod Hendricks, Cal Sr., a uh, couple other coaches right now I can't remember from the Orioles staff, brought in a lot of other uh, college coaches from the area held it right up there in the mine shaft and that was that was again a, a promotion for you know for our program at that time and again those people were willing to give up their time and come and help us get started but that helps a lot in recruiting when you got uh, guys like that bring them on the campus <laughs> that that it did yeah and you're playing in a, a minor league facility like Crockett Park that's a it's a great facility to to recruit for well we were just looking at the pictures here earlier uh you know, I tell people now today, I mean, if you've seen the movie Bull Dorham, that's where we played. <laughs> that uh, this wasn't Field of Dreams. This was Bull Dorham. <laughs> so uh, talk, talk about people People that didn't get to go to that, that park. Um, I mean, it it burned down. What, what was it in the 80s? 1985. 85 burned down. Um, so... Talk about that that old park for a little bit, and just what it was like getting to manage there and getting to to do your thing there. It was a wooden structure 
and there was there was an aroma there was a smell and you just felt baseball you just felt baseball uh it and again with this being brand new this this is an experience for all of us not just me not just me it was those 22 or 25 guys that were there and at times i know that they caught me and i caught them just standing around looking and and just kind of giggling about hey you know this is really happening we're about ready to do something here <laughs> so it was it was a, a a tremendous a tremendous thing i mean well, that this is great, man. I'm loving these stories. Yeah. By the way, I'm just sitting over. Y'all can't see me, obviously, but I'm just sitting here grinning the whole time. Just yeah. <laughs> this is fantastic. Oh, we haven't got to the real meat of our experiences. I mean, oh, we're we're, we're, we're laying the groundwork <laughs> now. I'm going to tell you <clears throat> about what they had to go through, what it was like in our day. Okay, well, let's do it. Well. Like I said, I mean, we, we didn't have anything. Of course, we were all young, naive. I mean, I was only seven, eight years older than those guys at that time. Uh, and like I said, I, I thought I knew a little bit about the game. But then all of a sudden, I'm starting to realize, okay, with practices and, and you know, everything's going fine that way. And then fact that they had to drive you think about that today in today's liability situations right. and that have your athletes have to do this uh and move uh and and drive like that uh it'd take you an hour to get over there today <laughs> oh, no. oh, would take the light rail yeah, right the, the light rail take you right down to the south Boulevard there. now that's true uh, that's true little things that that those guys out there right now today they don't have any idea what it's like to have to go chase foul balls. We would start, <clears throat> and again, being on that limited budget, I mean, baseballs were at a premium. <laughs> and you get a foul ball, and if that was your inning and, and you were the one for that day, I mean, you're going to get them foul balls. And if you didn't bring them back, you used to make guys run. <laughs> uh, so chasing foul balls, uh, oh, our travel. I, I talked with the team yesterday, and I was telling them experiences about our van travel. The vans break down, and we'd start out. I mean, there were times that I had players, we, not I, we had players sleeping on the floor of the van. So as we're sitting here now, just imagine down between your legs, there's one of your teammates laying on the floor <laughs> sleeping as we'd travel. Okay, uh, van things were absolutely terrible. We had a bus. I think that's when my ulcers first started back 40 years ago with the bus. Uh, that thing was good for maybe 20 miles. And, I mean, I don't know how many times that thing broke down and would be stuck out in the middle of nowhere at night coming home from a road game or whatever. Uh, it did get us to Tampa, Florida that first year, I remember. Uh we were in the Sun Belt. We were in the Sun Belt. We were in the Sun Belt Conference uh, at that right, time. Right, right out of the gate, we're in a conference. So. Uh, South Alabama, a guy by the name of Eddie Stanky, uh, distinguished major league manager, one of the slickest, slyest infielders you ever wanted to see in the late fifties with the Giants and Dodgers. Great guy, Robin Roberts, Hall of Famer from uh, <clears throat> from the Philadelphia Phillies. He was at South Florida. Then a guy by the name of Harry Walker, Harry the Hat, tremendous hitter. Harry's brother Dixie was on Dodgers in 1947 when uh, Jackie Robinson broke the uh, <clears throat> color barrier in the major leagues. But see, there's three guys there. Uh, Jacksonville, Tom Bradley. New Orleans was in there with uh, uh, Ron Maestri, I believe, was, uh, was the coach at New Orleans then. That guys that had tremendously successful programs, careers, already established. And you're 27. And Georgia <laughs> State started their baseball program 
at that time. So us in Georgia State, we were like the new kids on the block, and VCU was there. I remember, <clears throat> I remember at Tampa that first year for the uh, Sun Belt tournament. We get down there the day early, and we had our workouts and everything, and I had a reporter talking to me afterwards, and he said, Coach, he said, you know, he said, look at you. He said, you know, there you are. He said, you're this young. He said, there you got Stanky, Roberts, Walker. He said, how do you feel about that? And I thought for a second, and I said, well, I said, the way I see it, I said, number one, I said, Harry isn't hitting. <laughs> and I said, I don't have to worry about Eddie breaking up double play at second base, kicking the ball out of the glove like he did Phil Rizzuto in the World Series. And I said, thank goodness Robin isn't pitching. But I said, the other night there, I happened to see there where we were filling out some paperwork. I said, I saw that, saw Stanky's handwriting, and I saw Harry Walker's handwriting, and Robin's handwriting. I said, dang, I said, my handwriting's as good as theirs. I guess we'll just fill out a lineup card and go have at it. That's right. So, uh, and again, being with the basketball team, I was able to, in the wintertime, when we'd travel to those cities, young and wanting to find out, I made contacts with those guys in January and February when we'd travel there, and I would meet with them every time we went to those cities during basketball season. I'd get up early in the morning and I'd get out to their offices on campus or, or at night. Uh, we'd get together and just pick their brains. I just picked their brains, and they were such great, great men. They took me under their wing. They they took me under their wing. They shared anything and everything. So that that was an amazing time. Yeah, amazing experience. A lot of those Hall of Fame guys yeah. you mentioned. That was like my baseball card collection came to life. <laughs> <laughs> you were being mentored by your baseball card collection. And you're signing yeah. line of cards right next to them. <laughs> That you, you you were talking about standing on the field, kind of giggling about can you believe you do this? That had to be another one of those where you just kind of pinching yourself, right? Yeah. And then you realize, you know, you got twenty guys, and we got to go play a ball game and see what we can do. So let's let's get into that that season. You 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 recruit some guys. You get your guys together. You've got equipment. You've got the uh, you've got a home field. You've got the schedule. Uh, what what's it like as you're about to step off? This is okay. We've done all this work. We've we've put in all this legwork, and now we got to go do it. Well, I'm sitting here and looking over some of the uh, stat sheets, and you know, specifics about games are, you know, there's most of these I can't. There there are a few that I distinctly remember the exact situations of games. Uh, It was it was a learning experience, and we we just took it and we had fun. Uh, going back to some of the things that that we did, that we went through, that that these guys have absolutely no idea. You know, I was talking about sleeping on the vans, chasing foul balls, uh, the travel things. This one, when I mentioned that to the team yesterday the look in their faces. Our guys had to wash their own uniforms up in the dorm rooms as <laughs> oh. we sat up here and look at that. You know? <laughs> do you imagine um, do you imagine that? They washed their own uniforms. Did they really so, wash them, coach? Did they any, did. Did anybody try to get away with <clears throat> Well, it may have been one of their sweet Marie's or whatever on the <laughs> on the dorm floor there or whatever. <laughs> but uh yeah, they always had we only had a green top, we had a white top and we had a pair of, of uh pants. So we didn't have all the stuff that they have practice stuff, they have pre practice stuff, they have post practice gear and everything. Yeah. I'm sitting here and uh something that Coach Hibbs had given me. Yeah, I mean this this is great. We didn't have that stuff. But going back to getting started, you know, I look at some of these scores, some of these games that we played. I mean, we were competitive. We were competitive. I, I, I could see progress all the time. And we were all learning. 
we're all learning each other. We're all learning about this experience. And again, coming from the Penn State thing, I was very, very concerned about making sure we handled the academic side of it. And on these guys about going to class, making sure the grades were there. And again, you look at where they, where these guys are now 40 years later and what they've become professionally in, in their uh, careers. They're, they're just tremendous, tremendous men. They're great fathers, they're great people in, in their work. So mixing that academic aspect into it. I mean, we didn't play a cupcake schedule. I mean, we had uh, South Carolina, we had Chapel Hill up there. Uh, I look here and I see Coastal Carolina. There's a few teams that still have, have names and everything. I was going to say, it sounds a lot like the schedules we have around these days. <laughs> <laughs> still playing a lot of those, a lot of those guys. Right. <clears throat> Talk about that first win. Uh, the, we the, uh, gave Coach Hibbs a few years ago, he gave him the game ball from that first victory, and that's on display here in the, uh, in the suite area. Talk a little bit about that for your memories from that, that first win. I know it had to be a, a great feeling for you. Bear with me if I get a little emotional right. no uh, with this one. My mother, my mother was able to be, da- be down here for that. And that game we won, then we went on uh, a little three-game winning streak that weekend, and she was here to see those. That's great. Uh, and yeah, you mentioned the ball. You take a look at the condition of that ball, and that's the ninth <laughs> inning. That thing, you know, uh, how tough I was saying about baseball. They wouldn't use that for batting practice in the cages today. Had 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 that has that ball already been retrieved three or four times during the game? <laughs> uh, at least, at least. I mean, nowadays, you know, if the ball hits the ground. You know, the umpire looks at it, catcher looks tosses at it, it they, aside. They, yeah. they go through more balls in a couple of days here than we did in the whole season. But yeah, uh, yeah those first couple of wins right there uh, with Catawba, and uh, and we had Cal State of Pennsylvania come down. Now, being coming from up north, I wanted to make sure I get a few of them snowbirds up there <laughs> to come down. You know, and, 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 if, and if memory serves me right, when we played California that first, we played them a doubleheader. I believe when I arrived at the ballpark that afternoon, Cal State was just getting off their bus after driving down from Pennsylvania. And I said, I think we'll be okay today. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, and then we had a couple other northern teams uh, each year coming down through here. But uh, the first year, you, know, you talk about memorable games, all right? I'm going to talk about Coastal Carolina. We went down there that first year, and they put a pretty good whipping on us. It says here 9 uh, nothing and 9-2. And they... Tried to run the score up as much as they could. They were stealing in the eighth inning, and and they were they were after us. And we didn't play in the second year. You think that was was that was that just their thing, or were they trying uh, to? That was that was kind of their thing, and okay. you know we we were taking a licking. Didn't play in the second year. They weren't on the schedule. Third year we had them scheduled for double header here. At home. And now, Kevin, you're looking down there, and uh, we find that uh, where are we at here? Third year, <clears throat> Coastal Carolina, W three two, W three two. So in three years, and and that first game, <clears throat> that first game of that doubleheader that we won 3-2 in extra innings. There's one that uh, is in my in my memory bank, very, very clear. We're in the bottom of the eighth, and I had uh, two guys on, first and second. 
and had my leadoff hitter coming up. And he was on a pretty good hot streak at that time, swinging the bat real good. Now, conventional baseball wisdom says that here you are in the bottom of the eighth, you know, and, and you want to do what? You want to bunk the runner-up. Okay, well, I knew from earlier, <clears throat> earlier in the game, in a bunt situation, they run one of those massive switches in the infield where they charge the second baseman, the shortstop run over to cover third, second baseman's coming over, you know, the whole middle of the infield's open. I said, boy, as hot as Randy is right now, we're going to go with hit and run. Put the hit and run on, get the runners going, boom, Randy hits the ball right through the middle. We score the run. We win the ball game. That one, that one's one that I, I really, really remember. And then turn around and beat him again, 3-2, in the second game of that doubleheader. And I think it was at that point, you know, those guys say, hey, we've come. We've come a little bit. We get better and better. So there's a big memory right there. Uh, and, when, and when you started the roster, were they, they were mostly freshmen and sophomores on the roster that yes. first year. So yes. they're getting – they're getting into junior seniors in that third mm-hmm. year, kind of developed the program and uh, progressed to now getting after getting swept two games, <laughs> letting them run up score on them. They're taking yeah. two losses here at home. So mm-hmm. that's uh, uh, what do you so when after in, in the post game, post game handshakes, I take it with with Coastal. I mean, what do you you kind of got are you are you. Maybe you're not saying anything, but what what are you doing? You kind of like you know, just kind of a smile and a nod, like you know. I really don't remember much about that, other than walking over and shaking. Uh, <laughs> at that time, the guy's <laughs> name was Larry Carr, and I don't believe there was anything said, other than his look at me was, "You guys are coming." You guys are coming. I wasn't looking to say, ha, ha, look, right, you know, whatever. Right. No, it wasn't anything like that. Uh, it was very, very respectful. Very respectful. Yeah. Very cool. So, and you might have already answered this uh, inadvertently. Um, what would you say is your fir- your favorite memory from that first season? That, first, that fir- that they, I'm, I'm thinking maybe that first win was it. But Oh, yeah, w- without a doubt. That, that was – because of the circumstances that my mother was able to see it. Right, right. Well, what what are else are some of those um, some high points from that first season that, that kind of come to your mind? Uh, the Davidson game. Uh, the Davidson game that we won seven to five. At that time, uh, again, this was something that uh, Dave Taylor and Dr. Boston had set up. We had uh, they had set up what they called the Joe Tamanchek Memorial Game. Now, Coach Manchek uh, or Tamanchek was from out here at Garinger High School, mm-hmm. and he was a living legend in Charlotte. Tremendous man, great man. And uh, we had a uh, had a game with with Davidson, and they called it the Joe Memor- or Joe Tamanchek Memorial Scholarship Game. And Donnie Hoover had 13 strikeouts in that game. Uh, he he pitched a tremendous game, and so winning that game at that point, you know that that's a highlight from that season. Didn't um, yeah, I think, didn't you find the clip from that game? Yeah, we we on the anniversary of that, we tweeted out a, a the yeah. article of that. Yeah, Vogler um, hit a big home run in that game, and then we saw. Vogler the next like the next week right Kevin yeah, it was at a football tailgate yeah at a football tailgate and he was still talking about it <laughs> yeah uh, <clears throat> I just got a call the other day from Vogue's and uh, again getting calls and texts from these guys that have come now in the last ten years the the fact that you know reconnected when they call or text or email and that stuff it I, I tell them all the time they have no idea what it means to me. And Vogues, he was uh, relaying a thing about uh, one day at Crockett Park during practice. And he was saying, Coach, he said, you know, he said, he threw the best batting practice. He said, just pitch after pitch, he said, it was right there. And Vogues hit the ball pretty good. And he had hit six or eight, I guess, out, and uh, we're running out of balls. And 
<clears throat> Vogues was telling me on the phone the other day, he says, what I remember so much, he says, you know, I was hitting him out of there, and he said, you just stopped, turned around, and told those guys, get them balls, we need more balls, <laughs> and just t- want to see how many he could hit out. So. <laughs> Sent them outside the park <laughs> to go find them, right? Yeah, and, and uh, you know, th- this is a non-related uh, baseball memory, but something that happened at uh, Crockett Park one time. Some of the players that lived in uh, the apartments up there on campus, one of them, one of the players, Carlos Strickland, had a uh, snake. He had a big snake that he kept there in the apartment. Hmm. And uh, I'd heard about the snake. I guess I think they called the snake. The snake's name was Double Play, <laughs> of all things. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember one day down at practice, I look and, I see Carlos walking along the outfield, and he's carrying this white bag. Now, I got guys are supposed to be stretching and getting ready for practice and that. And I look out there, and the next thing, Carlos is fishing out the snake. <laughs> now, I'm standing in the infield with a fungo, and I thought I felt pretty comfortable at that point. Do you feel, do you feel the same way I do about snakes? Oh, ab- absolutely. Okay. Like I said, I had the fungo, and, and at that point, I felt pretty comfortable. And I said, Carlos, I said, what are you doing? Oh, I said, Coach, he said, we just fed him this morning. He said, I want to let him stretch out a little bit. <laughs> so, <laughs> In the middle of pregame. No, this wasn't before a game. Oh, this was practice. Practice, okay. Yeah, this was practice. I, I would have thrown him and his snake <laughs> out of practice. <laughs> Uh, that 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 would have been my take. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're just they're just memories. <laughs> they're just memories. You ask, and, and yeah, I'm wheeling along with them. Uh, oh, this is great. This is so great. What, what keep us rolling? What 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 are some of your other great memories? This is your time. We we'll we'll, we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> well. You know, I, I look up and down, and like I said, I remember, I remember very little about most of the games. I guess <clears throat> I mentioned the uh, the Davidson game that that Donnie pitched. Then I looked down there that last year with uh, the uh, conference tournament at uh, it was at Mobile, or I mean uh, South Alabama that year, and. Uh, we beat Birmingham and we wound up third place in the Sun Belt Conference. And the game with Birmingham, uh, for the first three years, you know, we've been back and forth with them. And uh, I see earlier in the year they had beat us a doubleheader here. And uh, so we, we were playing Birmingham, and the game. The game was on ESPN, okay, and that's when ESPN was in their infancy. And uh, in the second inning, there was a play at the plate where their runner slid in as our catcher went to put the tag down. He ended up getting sliced across his hand. I mean, just a massive, massive laceration. And there was meat and flesh hanging out of it and everything. So now... Our other catcher, Eric Miller, was sitting in the dugout with a splint on his hand because two weeks ago, prior to that, he had took a foul tip up at Virginia Tech and had split that finger right straight to the bone. So he's got a splint on that finger. So we get Eric in the game, and I remember the first guy took off for second base, and Eric threw him out. This second or third inning. Harry never tried to run the rest of the game. So the game's tied. And uh, the game is tied. And Eddie Thompson, if it's not one of the best pitching performances in 49er history, I don't know. Eddie threw nine and a third innings. He must have thrown. And, and in those days, you know, we didn't think about pitch count. Eddie must have threw uh, 120 pitches. And uh, he come running to try to catch a bunt that had gone foul. Uh, 
and it slid across the dirt, and he had dirt all over his face and his uniform. And I mean, he he was spent. Well, there's a runner on first, and one out, and I made a pitching change, brought in uh, a young guy by the name of Berto Concepcion. Berto threw one pitch. We got a six-four-three into the game. There it was. So we have don't have to worry uh, about his pitch count. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I still I have the CD of that of that game on ESPN. Yes, and little side note there at one point uh, about the third inning of that game, there was a play at second base, and you know the umpire made the right call. But see, by that time, now a couple of years later, my mother was in a uh, extended care facility back in Pennsylvania. And I knew the game was going to be on ESPN, and I had called uh, <clears throat> called and talked to her and, and uh, that before was, and when we were in Birmingham. And you know, I had talked with the nurses, and they said, yeah, we can get ESPN at that time. So here's this play at second base. Now, I, if you talk with the players, and yeah, I'll be the first to admit it, I wasn't the most nicest guy with umpires. <laughs> but we got this play at second base, and I walked out very, very, very slowly. And I walked out that umpire, and I'm standing there like I am now, with my hands folded. And all of a sudden, I look down, and I start pointing at the ground. Never raised my voice. Never, very, very calm. Never raised my voice. I said to the umpire, I said, you're right. I said, you are absolutely right. I said, you made the right call. Wipe that grin off your face. I want five more seconds. My mother's in a hospital in Pennsylvania, and she's dying. And I want her to see her baby boy on TV. And I said, you were right. That's it. I turned around and walked away. And in between innings, he come over, and he said, Coach, he said, that for real? I said, I didn't raise my voice. I said, all I wanted was my mom to have another chance to see see that there. And I remember... Uh, but you getting, were playing it up big, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. just for her to, to see me on TV <laughs> and uh, got back to the hotel that night. And I called the, called the hospital and the nurse's station said, oh, I said, you should have seen your mom. She, she had us all in the room watching that and everything. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you know that that's that's a memory. That that's great. I, I get the sense that this is uh, we, we what what the the listeners don't know is your daughter is in here uh, watching you tell these stories. Um, this is this is a bit of family lore here, isn't it? Because as soon as the ESPN game came up, her face lit up. <laughs> she was ready to hear that story. <laughs> They've heard them before. Oh, <laughs> this is great. This is great. This is so great. That was, I mean, that was our, our first conference victory, right? Uh, tournament victory. Tournament, tournament victory. victory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh... <laughs> This is so great. <laughs> now, now me... we, I wanna, before we get away from this here, um, you have this game still on, on DVD or on CD? <clears throat> CD, yeah. Uh, talk with Eric Miller. We've got to get that. Talk with Eric Miller about that. I, 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 yeah, we got to get that. Yeah, Talk. so ESPN was in its infancy, like I said. Yeah, they showing yeah. Australian rules football and things like that. Yeah, Dick Hauser. Yeah, uh, because after that game, then they took, uh, they had wanted me then to uh, go upstairs and set in on the broadcast for the next game that was going on there for a little bit. So uh, there, I remember doing that. But yeah, it was Dick Hauser. Wow. So. Well, I, I'm I'm a little speechless after that whole thing. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> yeah. I'm supposed to. We're supposed to have something to say right here, Kevin. But uh, well, <laughs> that was a great story. Uh, no, no, no. See, you keep using the word. Story. Oh, I, I, I know. I'm the type of guy that says, you know, these are experiences. That was a great I, memory. I'm going to show you something now. That uh, take a look at that. He's handed me a money clip. 49ers baseball, 1979. 
and it's and you're still still in operation yeah that's something at the end of the first year and i guess today that'd probably be an ncaa violation <laughs> everything at the end at the end of the first season i bought all of the players that money clip and when i left charlotte in 1981 i've carried this money clip in my pocket every day of my life since 1979 when i gave it to those guys it looks like it served you well it's oh, it, it's, it's w- uh well worn yeah it's still there but uh i happened to find one 5 years ago as i was going through some material getting ready when i was coming down for the second uh reunion and i found another one brand new and i brought that down and i gave it to coach hibbs and it's over on coach hibbs's desk but i've showed that to the players you know the last two reunions they all remember it some of them have them some of them said they were going to go home see if they could find where they were but yeah i've carried that for 40 years that's fantastic for 40 years that's fantastic well wait, so so with this that's all and, and forgive me that that's all in the first season where, where is the espn game falling in that oh, what season third, is that third season. third season third season okay okay yeah. so just step back a little bit back to the, the you're ending that first season and now you get an off season. Well, you're, you have your athletic trainer, but baseball wise, you have an off season, and you mm-hmm. got a chance to step back, evaluate, say, okay, here's some things. Here's some things that went well. Here's some things that didn't. Um, kind of walk us through your process. You, you know, we talked about the whirlwind of just mm-hmm. getting hired, getting a team on the field. How does your evaluation process go in between years one and two? Because you, you've you've now you know you're not a rookie anymore, and and now you get to to make some adjustments and move forward? Uh, realizing that, uh, you know, we need to add, add a little bit of depth, and I was able to uh, get two kids from Pennsylvania, uh, from State College, Pennsylvania, to come down here. Uh, one was a pitcher, third baseman, and one was an outfielder. So we added a couple of guys there, and I think that the guys realized that you know, we were going to be okay, and their willingness to work and their willingness to to want to get better. Uh, we didn't make a whole lot of roster changes between those first couple of years, uh, but each year we brought in a couple of kids. So, so it, uh, I was still, I was still very satisfied with the core and the nucleus of what was here, and believed in that. Yeah. How, I mean, that that's just to to have that group of guys come together and gel. Some of them were already, like you said, some of them were already here waiting on you. Mm-hmm. I mean, and one of them was, uh, I mean, well, we mentioned Vogler a couple times, and he was a, he was a key cog for you. He was already here. Yeah, I mean, that's that's that, that's amazing. Well, <clears throat> part of it was that yeah, he was here waiting and anticipating. But there was also something that attracted him academically to want to come to this university. Mm-hmm. So it's a double, double combination of academics and, and then an opportunity with baseball. You know, Mark could have gone to a couple other places, and I think those other guys, you know, might have been able to have a chance here or there. But they were waited at. So we all took a chance. We took a chance on each other. And you said your first schedule was made for you. Yes. Like You've mentioned Dave Taylor a couple times. Mm-hmm. I still see Dave at, at basketball games and things from time to time. And the next two schedules, you know, now I think back and I look at it, and I think I ought to have been shot for, <laughs> for the type of schedule that I put together and, and playing them back-to-back at different times. And You know, Coach Hibbs talks about that. <laughs> talks about the schedule and goes, why did I do this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking, okay, why? I mean, why couldn't I find a few more other ones instead of going back to, uh, you know, instead of going back to Carolina and Virginia Tech and uh, South Carolina? But, you know, 
the players players said, all right, let's just see where we stack up. And then, you know, the first win against Wake Forest, first win against Wake Forest up there at their place uh, was big. Uh, so, yeah, I, I remember that one. Uh, it was it was a measuring stick for us. But you look at these other teams on here, I mean, even though, you know, they might have the might not have the names of the Virginia Techs, the Carolina, the South Carolina, East Carolina. And there's there's good baseball all over this state. So, you know, name name wasn't as as you know, as essential. I mean it was just good baseball. We've talked a little bit before we went on the air about um the anniversary when you came back ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh Talk us through how that all came about and um, and your experiences between then and now. Uh. Well, when I left in 81, for the next 30 years, I had very, very limited contact, maybe with only two or three of the players at all. And then Donnie Hoover was very, very instrumental in, in the first reunion just as it was with this one it's eric miller who has taken the bull by the horns so to speak and uh but donnie i started getting emails in uh in probably december with starting to put this together well then i'd get replies from some of the players about what they're doing and it started getting in touch with them and uh, just reestablishing the contacts coming down uh, that first year when I got here and I looked at the facility and I uh, then you know a lot of this development was here and and the football field was was in the stages of development whatever but I can remember standing up there the thing that struck me at that point was looking up there at the mine shaft and I had referenced this earlier that you know we stood up there and we looked down here and we knew and I I'm a firm firm believer in the fact that the reasons that dreams come true is because God answers prayers. You know, our prayers were answered. We came here and we had a legacy. Now, the groups that came after, each group that come after left a legacy. You know, that that group that came in here with Gary Robinson and they come out here with shovels and picks and, and dug and dug and dug and dug. You know, they have a legacy. And each group has this legacy. And yesterday when uh, <clears throat> when I was talking, well, before, I sat around all winter and, and tried to think about what I was going to say coming here. And I thought I had the speech down pretty good. And, and the day before I left, as we were packing, my wife said to me, she said, you know, she said, I heard, you know, things that you're going to say and that. She said, you know, think about legacy. And she gave me that word legacy. I went back out, sat down on the chair, and I pretty much rewrote what I addressed to the team yesterday. But, you know, again, it's it's the fact that you have a chance to leave a mark. And I asked him, you know, what what do they want to be remembered as? So, and I guess I've, I've stepped away from your question, but that just brought me to, you know, that realization. That, that first reunion probably... Uh, outside of standing around crying most of the time. And and that'll happen tonight. That'll happen tomorrow. Uh, walking out there to throw that first pitch type thing. 
You know, it's it's tough to throw it up there when you got tears running down your face. And the guy that caught that first pitch that first year, 10, ten years ago, was a guy by the name of Zach Dunn. Mm-hmm. Remember Zach? Yeah. yeah. Okay. His dad was a catcher for us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, My wife taught Zach in, in school, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We know the Dunn family. A lot of, uh, it's a lot of tears. And then, again, that that time from 10 years ago. Now, the contacts are there, the calls, and, and I get them, and I sit, and I cry. Emotional guy, and they'll never know what it means to me that they still have a little bit want to reach out and talk to me. That that's everything, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely is. That's everything. Absolutely is. Uh, The you know the other thing I was was talking about with this legacy goes to the fact that, you know, today, and I, I brought this up with the team yesterday, that, you know, there, uh, there's this big push today about knowing your family history and your genealogy. Right. And you being a history guy, I mean, you know. People pay, pay big money to right. belong to websites. And, and I stood down there in that indoor facility yesterday, and I looked at those guys, and I'd mentioned, yeah, you know, that that's what you're looking at. Said, yeah. And I said, well, guys, I said, I'm going to tell you something. I said, over the next couple of days, I said, you don't have to do that, look that stuff up. I said, you're going to get a chance to meet your grandparents. <laughs> you know, these, these are your grandparents. They're the ones that left the legacy. And they're the ones that slept on the floor, chased foul balls, washed your uniforms. Like your grandparents, they walked to school uphill both ways. Yeah, so <laughs> that's right. Tonight and tomorrow, the grandparents are here <laughs> to see, and we're sitting here looking at now at our grandkids and yeah. great grandkids. In my case, yeah, and so. literally we had we've had from that first team we've had two legacy players, both yeah. Bogler and and Dunn and Dunn um, play for the Niners in the mm-hmm. future. That's that's great. Something to be said about legacy. You mentioned legacy, and they're definitely. Uh, a legacy there from that first team carrying on. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as the idea of coming here with nothing, okay? I mean, we'll and get that point across, but yet those guys 30, 40 years ago, 40 years ago, they had the same thing 40 years ago that those guys right out there have now, today. And what they have is they have the opportunity to represent Charlotte. They have an opportunity to get an education. And getting that education now is going to enable you to do many, many things. But you build that bond, that family unit, brotherhood, etc., and you leave, you leave your mark, you leave your legacy to be remembered and you know it better be as a good human being as a good student somebody hustled so i tell you what coach it's speaking of uh of your adoring public it's about time to get you down to pregame um i'm gonna i'm gonna pose a final question give you the final word on this and i want to make it based around what you've you've been sitting here talking about with legacy um, we're 40, 40 plus years on now from what you and these other guys did. What do you want people to remember about what you guys did? Well, I'm glad that you mentioned that in that sense, you guys, because it's them. I think that probably the biggest thing is that we were all willing to take a chance. You know, taking that chance. And in taking that chance, we had our ups and downs, and we grew from it. And, you know, they always say, you know, if it doesn't kill you, it'll make you stronger. And I think we're all stronger, and they're all 
they're all great men. That that's what I'd like them people to to look at what these guys have done in their lives and say, this is what college athletics is all about. This is what college athletics is. Yeah, you get get to play ball, you get to travel, you get to do neat things. But that makes you a good person, and I got some good I got some good boys. That's right. That's what I'm proud of. That's awesome. That is so awesome. Coach, thank you for doing this. Thank you so much. No, I mean, this is this is a gift. This is a gift that you've given us and, and, and given everybody just the opportunity to do this. Thank you. It's It's been my pleasure. Anything else you want to say to all the Niner fans out there that, that are listening in? And uh... Just support them. Support them. Uh, they they need the support and in and, and every aspect and encourage them. Encourage them to move on and help them, you know, however they can. And, you know, 49er fans, I remember from years ago, I mean, they're, they're a unique breed. You know, they, <laughs> they they personify they personify Norm the mascot, and you know, producer Brad, we might need to do another hour here. We're talking. About <laughs> I don't know if I got enough space for that. We we'll have to come back. The the uh, you're right. We agree with that. A unique breed. Of we, fans. Are, we are very yeah. unique. Yeah, we we agree with that. Lots of great examples in the room here. <laughs> That's so fantastic. It's, it's been my pleasure. This is awesome. Well, folks, um, we'll pass along a few thank yous, uh, obviously to Coach Gary Bartley for agreeing to do this with us. Um, we want to thank um, Sean Fox, uh, Mark Cologne, uh, that helped string all this together for us, uh, Lauren Hibbs, the entire baseball staff for letting us come in here and, and broadcast at the Hayes, which is a big, big deal for all of us. Um, and now what we're going to do is we're just going to wrap this up because uh, – We've got a we got a Friday night baseball game to go win, guys. That's right. All right. Well, this has been uh, our very first and uh, in a series of the Pride of the Program broadcast. We hope you folks enjoyed it. And we well, I usually say see you at the Hayes. Hey, folks, I'm already here. Hope you see you out at the ballpark tonight.